0: And welcome to the Bitten Word Pod. Oh my gosh, podcast. <laughs> great pods! Um, <laughs> hello and welcome to the Bitten Word Podcast. I'm Christine, and I'm Ashley. Um, we got a special bite-sized bonus episode for you today. We are covering our best books of 2021, the second half, part two. Electric <laughs> Googley. <laughs> um, so we did our, uh, best books of 2021 back in June, um, where we had the first half of the year, our favorite books, cause we read a lot. Um, so we're coming back <clears throat> with the best books that we have read since then, and we're going to give you some more recommendations. If you need some more stuff to read, if you've exhausted our first lists, hey, okay? <laughs> Hopefully Probably you not. have. Yeah, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> And so, some of these might be books that end up um, on the show at later dates. Maybe not. We'll see. Some
1: um, of them, yeah. I've already scheduled uh, one of them, at least. So,
0: actually, one of mine is one we've already done. So, yeah,
1: exactly. So there we go.
0: And we might have I some overlap. I bet it's the same book. That I'm I have. sure <laughs> it is. I put it on the list thinking that you were probably going to put it on the list too. Um, you know we- what that means. That means it's extra good, and you should definitely yeah, read it. Double recommendation. Um, we did have a little bit of overlap in our first one too. I think we both recommended the Midnight Library. We and did so because um, we read a lot of the same books. Because hey, we've got this podcast. So yep. Um, all right. So, would you like to go first with your these are and these are in no particular order. These are not ranked. These are just
1: um yeah mine are just in chronological order of when i read them yeah. um so mine was pretty easy to pick this time because in between july and now in december i've only had five five star books so you're gonna get my five favorite reads that really <laughs> i didn't even have to like pare it
0: down the only favorites
1: the only favorites um, okay, so the first one that I have on my list is the seven a half, seven and a half deaths of Evelyn hardcastle um my friend gifted me this book for my birthday and I am so glad she did because i I loved this book I know Christine read this a while ago before I did
0: and she didn't love it right I liked it I I don't know what it was about it. I felt like I liked it more in theory than I did in practice. <laughs> yeah. So, like something about it. I thought it was a really good idea. Um, I think maybe I just got kind of confused with like the writing style. Yes. That, that,
1: this is one of those books where you don't know exactly what's going on until you're into the book a little ways. Um, like he kind of throws you in, in the middle of a situation, which is, it should be because that's what the character is going through as yeah. well. Uh, it's not just a device. You're, you're seeing it directly from the character's point of view and, and he doesn't know what's happening either. Um, I, I really enjoyed this book because I just felt like it was so creative in the way that it was written and presented, um, that it, it just it's different from anything else that i've read i think it would make um, a
0: really really good movie
1: i think it would too i think it would be really interesting uh if you could make sure that you did it really well like the script would have to be really on point um but yeah it, it's it's a mystery um but it's Yeah, I I guess the mystery is this guy is even kind of trying to figure out where he is, who he is, what's going on, uh, as well as trying to solve a murder at the same time. Uh, So it really kind of takes you out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I, I found it fascinating. I loved that it surprised me a lot because I've read a bunch of mystery and thriller books i like them but it's rare that i'm really truly surprised by them and this book did that for me and so i i really enjoyed it for that reason
0: and it's almost got somewhat of like a time travel element almost
1: Mm, yeah a little bit it's It has a lot of different things in there And I know that this is making it sound really weird And this is a very convoluted description of this book But I'm so hesitant to tell you anything about it Because I just feel like I feel like most books I like to go into Without really knowing all that much about it Kind of like movies Because I I mean I'm okay knowing like the genre Mm -hmm. or something But if I feel like I know too much about it Then it's not as interesting It's not as fun Well, And this book go ahead you go this book i feel like is one of those books that is better approached without really knowing anything just jumping into it and figuring it out as you go
0: well i will say the synopsis on the book says um evelyn hardcastle will die every night until her my- until the mystery of her death is solved
1: yes so there you go seven and a half deaths of evelyn hardcastle that's why So there's that, Evelyn Hardcastle is going to die, and this man who's the main character has to figure out who killed her and how she dies, but he also doesn't know who he is, or where he is, or any of the people around him, or anything like that. So it's like a, it's a big problem.
0: Okay. Um, So my number one book here and this again is not in any order um, was The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna um, so oh I, yes you
1: did like this book
0: yes I really loved this book uh, so this book was recommended to me by a friend um, and oh my gosh so I gotta say my so my one friend read this book and recommended it my other friend Nikki also read it and recommended it and then the other day I was talking to Nikki about another book that we had both read and then I was like I would recommend that you read The Great Alone I think you would like it a lot and she's like I did read that and I recommended it to you and I was just <laughs> like yeah my brain does not work so
1: that's uh,
0: awesome and then I was like remembering that the entire time I was reading it I was texting <laughs> her and being like I hate this guy I love this part and so I'm like I'm so stupid man." that's great <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, um, so The Great Alone is a little bit of a long uh fiction novel about a family who moves to Alaska, um, basically to homestead. Um, and it just I don't want to give any details because I don't want to spoil Once it
1: again. Yeah. I know,
0: uh, I know because this one for me, like, I didn't think. They, like So I, I picked it up because I'm just interested in Alaska in general. And uh-huh. so I thought that that enough might be enough to get me into the story. And I will say it's a little bit of a slow burn at first, but then I feel like it begins to pick up and then it like snowballs. And so it's like, after a while, you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? What's going to happen? And so I think after a certain point, the story becomes very compelling. Um, And it mostly centers around this teenage girl. Um, So like, it's her and her parents, but it's from her perspective. And so it's her, you know, living out here in the wilderness. I think it's set in the seventies. You know, it's like, the the land is rough and it's hard to live out there and they're having to learn how to do all of this homesteading stuff um basically because her dad wants to be like off the grid um but they don't have any experience with doing any of this so they have to learn how to hunt how to you know gather wood how to you know um store food for the winter because the winters are extremely harsh um but i really love it because they have like a really wonderful community that like tries really hard to help them um and then but like the family dynamic is really toxic and really tragic and so you just see kind of like this family fall apart like while everyone is trying to like help them <clears throat> And so, i think it's
1: pretty typical Kristen hannah if if you have read any Kristen Hanna, like The Nightingale, uh, I think that one is, like, her most – the one that everybody has read. Um, and I, I think that that's typical for her, is to watch tragedy unfold. <laughs> like, you know?
0: Which, yeah, it's like – I don't know. It's so beautifully done, though. Um, yeah. Like the – I don't know. The scenery and just the way she describes – where they are and like how she is experiencing yeah this tragedy it's i don't know it's just really pretty to listen to and i am not typically a huge fan of like fiction um and so i was surprised that i liked this one as much as i did yeah
1: i i agree i'm surprised that you did too just because it doesn't seem like your normal thing Okay. Um, My next book was Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, And I'm, I was surprised that I liked this book as much as I did. Uh, It's, it was, I think one of my first um, book of the month picks because I joined the book of the month club this year. Um, And I had heard a lot about it. I'd kind of seen it floating around and that month it was the most enticing book for me. And so I was like, okay, I guess we'll give it a a try, but I ended up really loving it. Um, So this is the story of the four Riva children. They are the children of Mick and June Riva. And it happens over the course of like one 24 hour 48 hour period but with flashbacks into the story of their parents and how they met um so that you can kind of get an idea of what these kids lives were like and then you see everything kind of come to a head in these two days at this giant party at one of their houses in the 80s um so Just some little background that won't really be a spoiler. Mick Riva, their father, is like a super, super famous singer. Like, think Frank Sinatra. This is kind of the era and the caliber of fame that he achieved. Um, And he met their mother before he was famous. They got married. They had some children. And then he got famous and he started having affairs he eventually left he kept trying to come back and leave and so this shaped their childhood a lot and they've kind of all gained a little bit of their own fame but they also ride on the fame of their father um they had yeah a really hard upbringing and then this particular night a bunch of really explosive things happen basically all at the same time and you watch it unfold and watch it happen at this giant party with other people around. And it's it was really, really interesting, extremely well written, very compelling storyline. Characters I felt like were fleshed out really well um, to make me sympathize with their situation. Um, and to make me root for them through all these hard things that are happening. So I I really enjoyed that one, uh, particularly for that reason, because I loved the characters and I wanted to know what was going to happen with them.
0: Yeah, That actually sounds sort of similar in vain to The Great Alone.
1: Yes, except I think not as tragic. um, Probably in the end.
0: Probably not, because The Great Alone is pretty tragic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So... (laughs) okay so second on my list was american dirt and i'm assuming that you have this on your list
1: i do that's like fourth on my list and so
0: but we can just talk about it right now and so we'll know
1: this is on both of our lists
0: yeah so, American Dirt by Janine Cummins, we did an episode about this um, earlier yes. this season where we talked about Conchas. Um, and so, I mean, if you want to hear about American Dirt in depth, you can go there and listen to that. Um, but it was just an extremely compelling story about a woman uh-huh. and her son who's, and this is not a spoiler, this happens on like the first page. Um, her family is killed by um, Narcos, and then she and her son have to escape and they are trying to get, like, to cross the border into the US um, to get away from um, this gang. And it's just, it's like scary. It's heart wrenching. It's very gripping.
1: Yes, extremely. Like from one. Yeah. Um, once again, really great character development. Um, I think we talked about this in the episode that it kind of opened my eyes a little bit more to the horrible situation that immigrants go through trying to get to America, um, or anywhere else that they're trying to go, you know? Um, but I guess these particular people are in South America and Mexico, so they're most likely trying to come to America. Um, but yeah, it, it was just fascinating and i could not listen to it fast enough like it was i had to listen every spare second that i got because it was just so gripping
0: it really is
1: okay so my turn i guess
0: yeah
1: okay okay my next book uh we also did an episode about this season and that was Coraline by neil gaiman Um, this is the only reread on my list because I said there are only five this, this time. And so I, I have read this book several times before, both in book and audio form. Um, and it's just, it's one of my favorites. It continues to be a favorite. It's one of those ones where every time I read it, I still rate it five stars because it's that well-written. My kids love it. It's something we can read together. It's still creepy, even though I know what's going to (laughs) happen, you know? Um, And yeah, so if you want to hear a little bit more in depth about Coraline, you can definitely go listen to our episode about that. But just to say that it's about a little girl who finds herself in a world similar, but not exactly the same as her own. And she ends up having to save her parents as well as some ghost children from this world. And it's pretty awesome.
0: Okay. So, um, my number three was Echo by Pam Munoz Ryan. Um, this is one that I just read, uh, for book club and I really enjoyed it. It's, um, i don't know so i guess it's like a young fiction
1: Uh Um, my yeah my daughter has read it kennedy's read it
0: okay yeah um but i so because of i don't read a lot of young fiction and and i because of that i liked it a lot more than i thought i was going to it's Uh um focuses on so there's a frame story that's sort of like set up to be like a fairy tale um and then it goes into these three narratives about these three different kids um all kind of surrounding the events of world war ii um and their experiences um during this time and each of them is (coughs) like really heartbreaking and really tragic um and they all are intertwined with music because each of the kids um is like really into music in some way shape or form um and i think i just didn't expect it to be as deep as it was um and i just found myself like really affected by the stories and just the you know really tragic things happening in their lives and it it, i'm talking about a lot of tragic books here but like it ends up being um like they all work out you know in the end um But I really enjoyed it.
1: Sorry, I walked downstairs. Brett's in class and he's got it. I was trying to see my other book on my list. Yeah, I was going to say that you seem to be really liking the tragic stories. I just, I like tragic
0: stories, honestly. You actually
1: do. Like, all the (laughs) memoirs you read, I'm like, how do you read this and stay sane? Like,
0: (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's more interesting to me for some reason. Like, in my book club, people are always like, oh, like, I'm so glad it ended this way, or that it, like, you know, I, or, like, I'm really mad that it didn't end this way, and I'm like, I wanted it to end where she died, and then, you know. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like I'm always just pushing for this tragic ending. And honestly, it makes me think of um, the movie Stranger Than Fiction. I've never read the book, but...
1: Um, I love that
0: movie, actually. I really like that book. I really like that movie. But there's a part where... So like the book is initially written where uh, Harold Crick dies at the end and then Mm -hmm. she changes it so that he lives so that the real Harold Crick won't die. And um, the guy says like, you know well if you change it it's not going to be this like what do he say it's like it's not going to be this incredible work of fiction or whatever it won't and be I feel a like, masterpiece It'll yeah it won't good. be a masterpiece yeah and that's honestly that's what i feel like like i feel like sometimes by making everything work out all like do es machina that they kind of like remove this element that would have made it a really good really tragic like masterpiece like and i don't know like Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just, like, that it's cathartic or something. But, like, I feel like sometimes... Like, sometimes they're better when everything works out. And even though sometimes you're rooting for it to work out, I think sometimes it's better for it to have a tragic ending. And the thing is that sometimes all of these Sometimes it books, is. Yeah. I think all of these books have actually, like, good endings. You know? Yeah. A lot of the events are tragic.
1: Yes. Yes. That's true. Okay. My fourth book was American Dirt. That we already talked about so I'm gonna put it back over to Christine to hear about her fourth book (laughs) okay
0: um so my fourth book was Empire of Pain by Patrick Radden Keefe which another somewhat
1: depressing one
0: yeah well (laughs) and I'm gonna say kind of yeah I'm gonna say if you know me in person you've probably heard me talk about this book like ad nauseum (laughs) yes (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I was reading this book it took me like six months to read like I don't know or maybe not six months probably more like four months but um i don't know why it took me so long it's it was not one of those books that when you're not reading it you're sitting around going oh my gosh you've got to read it right now but when you're reading uh-huh. it it's very absorbing and so it was incredibly interesting it's about it's a non-fiction book about um purdue pharma and the family that owns purdue pharma the sacklers um and their involvement in the opioid crisis because they are the company that created oxycontin um and so I just thought it sounded like an interesting topic, and I typically like to read books like this where it's like a it deep dives into like weird topics people don't know a lot about. Um, in the, like, By the end of the book, though, I actually was really compelled and felt myself, I felt like I had all these strong feelings because I guess one of the questions it kind of explores is like, how much... Responsibility can a company or a family, you know, really take for something like the opioid crisis? Because it's like, you know, they've produced this drug, but it's like, you know, there's also responsibility on the part of like people taking the drug, right? But but then it's like you get into dicier subjects like, well, the nature of addiction and, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. And so, and so I feel like it's one of those things where it's really hard to just lay blame at the feet of like, you know, one set of people. But, um, reading, having gone through the book, I feel like there is much more of a case, um, for like the culpability of Purdue Pharma, um, in this and that, and that I think part of the problem is that they have not like even acknowledged it basically. And like, they haven't even said like, yes, it's really tragic that these things are happening. Like they just, no, that's not happening. Um, and so, I don't know. That was just really I felt like a really eye opening book, particularly when you like looking into like greed of corporations and like, yeah. the, you know, like we're just in this to make money kind of thing, you know. And so it was just very, 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 very interesting because I feel like there's a lot of, you know, when you don't do like a deep dives into these subjects from the outside looking at it, it's hard to know all of the details that really build up a case, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, my last five star book of 2021 was Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Um, this is the same guy who wrote The Martian. For anybody who has read that book or watched the movie, I did never read the book, but I did watch the movie, and it was really good. Um, and my f- my friend who gifted me Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle is the one who recommended this one as well. And she told me that the, the way the Martian came about was, um, Andy Weir, the author was like, okay, what if like he gave himself a problem and it wasn't, it wasn't like it had to be a space problem or anything, but like he gave himself a problem. Okay. What if somebody got stuck on Mars? And he had, he told himself, okay, now I have to scientifically and realistically solve this problem. And that's how the book came about um and so this um weirdly enough it starts out very similarly to seven and a half deaths of evelyn hardcastle where you have this guy who doesn't know who he is or where he is um and you eventually find out that he is on a spaceship but he doesn't know how he got there or why he's there and he keeps having these like memories come back to him to help him understand his situation um Pretty quickly on early in the book, you find out that they there is a small alien organism that did not originate on Earth. That's why it's alien. That was very redundant. Um, and they, but they find it, and it's it basically eats the sun. It's taking. Um, it like uses the sun to breed and so it like uses the sun's energy so much that it is making the sun dim and by it right and so because of that they're going to start having catastrophic results or uh, yeah things on earth happening because the sun's light is not as strong right and so they're scrambling to find an answer to this and how to fix it before there is just like massive amounts of deaths um, and crops failing and things like that. And so the book kind of goes through this guy trying to figure out why he's on the spaceship. How the heck am I supposed to solve this problem? Humanity is depending on me. And it's, it's just fascinating. The science in the book is sounds real to me but i don't actually know any science so yeah <laughs> so the sciencey parts i'm like that sounds plausible if i knew what you were talking about you know but the fact that i don't know what he's talking about kind of makes me feel like maybe it is somewhat sound science um or at least I'll, I'll recognize certain things and be like oh yeah okay but then he takes it a little further than i have the capacity to understand without lots and yeah. lots of extra schooling you know um but it's, it's so good. And once again, surprising. And I, I don't want to give away, you know, some of the more important things that happen and the more interesting things that happen. Um, but just to say, go read it because it is, it is so interesting. My daughter actually, um, she's 13 and I handed it to her right after I finished it and said, you can read this, this it's a pretty dang clean adult book um and i think that you'll really enjoy it and she's she's speeding through it she loves it she thinks it's really interesting and really fun so i think you probably would like it too
0: yeah so basically he wrote it as almost like a fanfic like like he was just posting it online um but then all of these like nasa scientists were reading it and saying like actually the science is like incredibly sound and so really okay and so then they so then he got it published um but i was thinking there you go interesting story the science in this is probably also very sound then uh it sounds like maybe it's a little bit fictionalized and so maybe it's like very like um theoretical science it
1: is it's i i compared it to jurassic park right yeah possible but theoretical
0: yeah okay so my last book um is circe by madeline miller I still have um, not
1: gotten around to that book, and I keep hearing about it and how everybody loved it. I need to get around to that.
0: Well, and that's why I did. So again, this so you. I don't know if you guys listened to our episode last time. Um, our book recommendations. I think I mentioned that like half of my recommendations came from Nikki, and it was yeah. the same same thing. Cersei was a recommendation by Nikki, um, and I think I might have put it on my one like looking forward to reading list in that episode. I think um, you did. Yeah. Yeah, so I picked it up because she recommended it and because, same thing, I heard a lot of people who were saying that it was just so good. I wasn't sure that I was going to like it, though, because um, I was afraid it was going to end up being, like, too prose-driven and too, like, lyrical, Mm -hmm. which is not, which is, like, I'm a little more plot-driven most of the time. Yeah,
1: I am, Um, too.
0: Yeah, and so I I wasn't sure I was going to like it, and not only that, but I was like, if this is just a retelling of, like, Circe from Greek mythology how interesting is this really going to be because it's not even like we've put it in like a modern framework or you know it's just yeah. mythology and so I I really I think part of it is that I just had really low expectations um but I listened to it on audiobook and I actually really enjoyed it um and I think and it really what like Nikki and I were trying to tell someone about it the other day, and we were both having a really hard time articulating why it was as good as it was. And I feel like I'm in the same boat here, like, because it really is. It's just a retelling of mythology of the story of Cersei. But I think part of it is that, like, I didn't know all of these Other things about Cersei, like, my main experience with Cersei is like the Odyssey, right? Where really all you hear is that she's living on an island and she turns the guys into pigs. Um, Yeah. But I guess there's a lot of other details about her, like, from mythology that I didn't know, people she's related to, like, you know, other things that she did that are, like, big parts of Greek mythology... Um, And so that was interesting to learn about. And then I think part of it is just, like, you're seeing it from her experience. And so it really humanizes her. And it also kind of gives a look into, like, why the gods are, like, so petty and involved in human Mm -hmm. affairs as they are. Um, And so I think that was just an interesting aspect. It's also got a bit of, like, a feminine, like, feminist twist. Yeah. Not twist, but... uh, Edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, that might be interesting for for some readers. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, even though it's hard for me to really really pinpoint why.
1: I gotta move that up my list. I'm like the only person who hasn't read it.
0: <laughs> so, you don't have any honorable mentions. I, I um, do not this time. I do have one honorable mention for mine. Um, so... This is another Nikki book. Um, So (laughs) so the have Nikki in your reading life, (laughs) I know I wouldn't have, I wouldn't read any books apparently, (laughs) or maybe my, my reading list would just be like a lot more boring. Um, So this book, it's an honorable mention because this is not a book that I feel like everybody could just pick up and enjoy. So this book is a, is an anthropological text and so it's a very science heavy it has parts that can be dry but it is actually but it's really fascinating to like actually look at and i think to discuss so it's called saints scholars and schizophrenics and it's by nancy Shepherd hughes um and i think nancy Shepherd hughes is like a cultural anthropologist um but it's about um culture and uh, mental illness in nineteen seventies rural Ireland. Is very, specific, very specific. Very pigeonholed.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, also topic. sounds
1: like it would be super depressing.
0: Well, not as depressing as you would think um but but yeah there are some things yeah that are kind of depressing but it was just like it's very scholarly and so i think if you have an interest in anthropology or like sociology and you are okay with reading some like drier texts this was a very very interesting read like and a lot of it is just about like family dynamics and then like Mm -hmm. um a lot of it the mental illness part, I, I guess, comes from like, I think at least in the seventies. I don't know if this is still true, but it said that like Ireland had like the highest, um, di- like number of like schizophrenia diagnoses. And hmm. So
1: yeah, Ireland is tiny. Like that seems weird.
0: Yeah, and so I don't know. So it was just it was very very interesting. And Nancy Shepherd Hughes like moved her family to Ireland, and they were like living in this little town for like huh. a few years while she was studying it. Okay. Uh, and so yeah, so that Not was a bad dig. A- yeah, really interesting book. <laughs> totally recommend it if you're into stuff like that. And that's why it's an honorable mention. <laughs> um, okay, so last last um, episode we did um, our five books that we are most looking forward to reading. Honestly, I didn't get a chance to go back and look at which ones I had talked about, but I think I read like four out of five.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't remember exactly which ones I talked about either, but I think I read them all. At the moment, I am reading The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune, um, and so that's not really what I'm looking forward to because I'm like 100 pages away from being done with it, but I thought I'd mention that I'm reading that one, and I probably will actually finish it by the end of the year, um, but I'm enjoying it so far. I, I feel like it might be one of those books that I heard so much about that it kind of got ruined by reputation um Mm -hmm. and this is part of the reason why I like going into books not knowing anything about it you know because sometimes it's just the the hype was so much that I'm like oh yeah that was good you know (laughs) that's about it (laughs) yeah I do that movies too a lot um but but I am enjoying it it's a good story it's a sweet story uh, but the first book that I am looking forward to reading is called "Adventuring Together," um, and it's it's kind of a idea book, but also like an inspiration on how to adventure with your family and with your kids, and how to make make it a priority and make memories that way with your kids. So I I'm always looking for stuff like that. And I feel like this last year and a half, we have done a lot less of that. Not that it's been non-existent, but that like as a family we haven't because my husband has been in such an intensive school program. And because of COVID, uh, we've had a little bit less opportunity to do that adventuring. So I'm looking forward to this as we get ready to move to a new place, um, as we get ready to move into a new phase of school where Brett's not as busy, And we can start trying to adventure together. I'm looking forward to having that inspiration.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. So my, and these again are in no particular order. Um, My number one is Law and Disorder by Bruce Chadwick. Um, And Bruce Chadwick is one of my favorite authors.
1: That name rings a bell. Why?
0: I think there are other books and movies called Law and Disorder
1: no no the name of oh the bruce guy. chadwick he yeah. wrote
0: the general and mrs washington
1: oh that's why okay yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah i he's one of my favorite authors i've read a lot of books by him he's, he's a history author um but he this book is about the founding of the nypd and i think it involves a hmm. lot of like shady stuff and so i'm really interested to look into that
1: that, that sounds really good yeah. i would <laughs> be really interested to read that Huh. He's, okay.
0: he's a good history author because I think he does a lot better job of, like, painting a picture and telling a story than just, like, mm-hmm. dry facts. He does have some books that are drier, but, like, The General Mrs. Washington, part of the reason why that's one of my favorites is because it's, like, you know, it's very story-driven.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, my next book that I'm looking forward to is called The Keeper of Night by Kylie Lee Baker. Um, So... Here's the like quick take from book of the month. Ren Scarborough is on a journey to impress the goddess of death in this riveting story of monsters, magic, and reapers. So it's very YA, right? Yeah. Um, so it says she's a half British reaper, half Japanese Shinigami, and she's been collecting souls in the London streets for centuries. um, but when her failure to control her Shinigami abilities drives Ren out of London, she flees to Japan to seek the acceptance she's never gotten from her fellow reapers. Uh, so she goes to the Japanese underworld to serve the goddess of death and has to prove herself worthy. So I, I thought that sounded kind of fine and in my wheelhouse. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Okay, so my next one is The Royal Art of Poisoning. Um, yeah. This is by, yeah, Eleanor Herman. Um, she, I like a lot of her books, um, but this book is about poisons and poisonings, I think, both purposeful and accidental. Like, I think it's one of those things where she talks about, like, cases where people have poisoned other people, but then also talks about things like arsenic wallpaper, you know?
1: Yeah, interesting. So, okay.
0: I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. That sounds interesting. Um, okay. My, my next book is called the priesthood power of women. Mm, I want to read that so bad. Yeah. So I, I haven't read it yet. I've heard so much about it. I listened to a podcast with the author, um, talking about it and I have my same friend. So I guess Rachel is my Nikki. Um, (laughs) She said that she read this with like a church book club and that they had to go through it really, really slowly because it had so much in it. And it's just a kind of short volume. Um, but, but this is about the priesthood power of women. You know, I think that church is a place that is historically and, um, seemingly very patriarchal. And this book is kind of talking about how, women's place in the patriarchy, I guess, that their their ability to use priesthood power and why we feel like we don't have that ability within the church, but that we actually do. And so she's like shedding light on all of these doctrines and uh, things that help us to see what our real true place is within you know, the patriarchal bit of the church, I guess. Um, uh, so I'm really, really interested to read
0: it. I was going to say, um, so I think we do have a good portion of listeners who are Mormon. Um, if you're not Mormon and you have no idea what we're talking about, that's, it's because you're not Mormon. So <laughs> well, I think though, I think this, I mean, this particular
1: book is for, and the audience, you know, of women in particular, but also men in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But I do think that this is an issue that extends not only to our church, but to Christian churches in
0: general. It is. I think some of the theology will be um, uh, mostly universal across Christian churches, but not all of it will be. And so that's just caveat for that yeah
1: just though if you think it's interesting just know that it, it will have a slant towards the lds church
0: my next one is forget the alamo um by brian bro um, you bought that while you were here at the alamo huh oh not i didn't buy it at the alamo i bought it while i was there the next time i bought it oh, at okay. Barnes and noble but that's right yeah. Um, but I will say, I'll tell you, um, so like we're from Texas, right? And so I, when I saw this book, I held it up to Ashley and I was like, this is sacrilege. You can't forget the Alamo. And then later I bought it and she's like, you bought, forget the Alamo. You said that was sacrilege. <laughs> so, um, but after I read the cover, like, I thought it sounded really, really interesting. And so it's just about, it's just the story of the Alamo, but I think it focuses a lot more on like, um, other topics that we don't typically talk about things like um race and like other minorities and like kind of like their place in the alamo and how they kind of get whitewashed and and stuff like that And so i think it's kind of just trying to give voice to the parts of the alamo that we don't talk about and so it sounded interesting
1: yeah for sure okay Um, My next one is another YA book Um, and we've, so it's Gilded by Marissa Meyer. And this is going to sound somewhat familiar because we did an episode a little while ago about Heartless by Marissa Meyer, which is the backstory for the Queen of Hearts. Um, This is a book by her that is a retelling of the Rumpelstiltskin story. And it just came out a few months ago. My daughter has already read it and she is like dying for me to read it. And based on what she's saying, it sounds like it might go to a little bit of darker places and maybe might be like an older YA book than what Marissa Meyer has written in the past.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: Yeah. so, So I'm really curious to read it now. And it's actually going, I don't know if it was supposed to be, but it's going to be a uh, duology i think there is a second book coming out next year um so i need to get on that so that i'm ready for when the second one comes out next year
0: okay my next one is the badass librarians of timbuktu
1: okay <laughs> you'll have to tell me about that one because i have seen that floating around for a long time but i haven't ever read it
0: oh really um okay so yeah i just i had never heard anything about this book i just ran into it at barnes and noble um but it is by joshua hammer and it is about malian librarians who risk their lives to save ancient texts from al-qaeda true story that's
1: like that's like watching movies or reading about people trying to save art from the nazis
0: i know yeah
1: it, uh, it sounds like a similar kind of premise
0: well and the thing i was reading said that they like pulled off a heist like oceans 11 style and so i'm like what? That sounds awesome that sounds great now i really want to read it i know <laughs>
1: um okay my last one is called a history of wild places and this is my newest my like december book from book of the month and i'm actually really excited about this book um here's the little synopsis from book of the month Travis Wren has an unusual talent for locating missing people. Hired by families as a last resort, he requires only a single object to find the person who has vanished. When he takes on the case of Maggie St. James, a well-known author of dark, macabre children's books, he's led to a place many believe to be only legend. Called pastoral, this reclusive community was founded in the 1970s by like-minded people searching for a simpler way of life. By all accounts, the commune shouldn't exist anymore. And soon after Travis stumbles upon it, he disappears just like Maggie St. James. And then years later, Uh, Somebody else who's a lifelong member of Pastoral discovers this abandoned truck from this guy that disappeared and nobody's allowed in or out because they could bring disease in, but he's like trying to unravel this mystery and it's supposed to be like a... Okay. So book of the month put out a thing that was like, they always do this every month. They're like, if you watch this TV show, read this book, you know, or if these are things we like, do this. They, they created this to the village. And so I'm like, I'm all over it like that's, And I think it's supposed to have a little bit of like magical realism in there, which is so YA fiction like like Keeper of Night and Gilded I still really like it but I think that used to be my like real wheelhouse but I think that my tastes have matured into the magical realism adult version of those things and so this this book is like I'm I'm itching to read it
0: okay I was gonna say people crap on them like Shyamalan but I actually really like the village
1: I I really like the village too I I really like the movie a lot <laughs>
0: um also, okay. Signs
1: is, like, one of my favorite movies oh, yeah, of all Science time. Yeah, Signs is great.
0: So. Well, and even, like, <laughs> The Sixth Sense is really good. It's some still his, really good, yep. Some of his newer movies, I feel like, are kind of dumb. But, like, like he definitely has some that are dumb. Like, Lady yeah. in the Water. Yeah, that one's not great. Um, but, like, I think he, he has some that deserve recognition. Yeah. Um, okay, so then my last one is um, Content warning maybe um my last one is sex with presidents um
1: yes definitely content warning (laughs) yeah so
0: um this is another one by eleanor herman i said she was the one who wrote the royal art of poisoning um so she a long time ago wrote two books called sex with kings and sex with the queen um and she and i just saw this the other day sex with presidents and i was like oh my gosh she wrote another one (laughs) um and so like i didn't know she like and that's only her third one but i just thought it was funny because it was such a big gap so anyway um sex with kings and sex with the queen are about like royal mistresses and what do you what do you call a male mistress mister
1: (laughs) uh gigolo? I don't
0: know. <laughs> oh my um, yeah, so mistresses and male mistresses. Um, and so it's just, I mean, that. well, as I said, <laughs> misters. So it gets into like the politics of mistresses and how there were like court appointed mistresses and it gets into even more like that's modern weird. day stuff. Like it talks about like Prince, um, prince charles and camilla like and so there's just a lot of really interesting information that where it just kind of like gets into the details of like why they had mistresses and what their like marriages were like and stuff like that and so sex with presidents i'm really looking forward to because i think i i'm assuming it's going to be the same kind of thing people Mm -hmm. sleeping with the president who were not um the first lady So, which
1: by the way it seems like almost every freaking president has like i'm i there's a podcast called Very Presidential. And she goes through some of like the more notorious presidents. But the thing is that they're they really like were not as notorious as I yeah. I like I didn't know that Grover Cleveland was like a super crappy guy, right? Um, until I listened to this podcast. And JFK goes way beyond Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Um like there's there's a lot of stuff that presidents have done and been involved with and i feel like almost always there are other women like it's ridiculous i i kind of hate that but it is interesting
0: i'm gonna have to listen to that because that sounds interesting honestly i mean as far as like other shady stuff presidents do i honestly just think at that level of like politics it's just like you kind of have to do shady stuff because not that it's good and not that it's okay but i think you're kind of expected to and you don't really it's impossible to get that far without having done shady stuff you know yeah that's just kind of how american politics works um which sucks yeah it really does um but that sounds really interesting i'll have to look into that but yeah i didn't know until i was watching that one episode of the crown i didn't know that jfk was like kind of abusive to jackie and that they were like on drugs Mm -hmm. a lot like i didn't know that was a thing and and apparently that was like common knowledge and so i'm i'm interested to look into that and read more about it and i think sex Mm -hmm. and Presidents will be really interesting
1: i think the most even though there were some things in there, I think the most shocking thing that I discovered in that JFK episode of very presidential was that he did not care about the space race. Really? (laughs) He was like, he was just like, really, whatever. I don't care. We just have to do it because we have to beat the Russians. Like that, that was obviously that was the point, but like, he was actually very like, it doesn't matter. I don't care we don't need to do this or whatever but the way she says it is like more shocking i was like
0: really yeah was (laughs) that?" which is like really funny because the space race right like this is like when we developed like nasa and stuff and like most of our like modern day technologies were like based off of science done by nasa like yeah. cell phones and like touch screens okay. and like all these things
1: another fascinating podcast um is shoot what's it called it's about apollo 13 and okay but warning if you do find it i'll try to find the real um name of it but the guy has a really thick irish accent so it's really oh. it takes a couple of episodes to get used to how he's talking um but he's a he's a forensic engineer. That's like his Interesting. job. I know. And so he like goes through in really great detail about what happened. And we actually just watched Apollo 13, not that like a couple of weeks ago with the kids. And um, a lot of the things that he said in there ended up in the movie, like his like little personal things and stuff. So mm-hmm. the movie was actually
0: pretty well researched, it sounds like. All right. Well. Um, that's it for our book recommendations for the, um second half of 2021 we hope you enjoyed it hopefully maybe you got some ideas for good next reads or if you read these books and you love them as much as we did let us know um, yep. you can join us for further discussion on our twitter at the bitten pod or on our instagram at the bitten word podcast you can also email us at the bitten word podcast at gmail.com um, don't forget to rate and review if you're enjoying the show uh, you can also donate on our buy me a coffee or on our anchor page links are in the description below. Uh, Donations are not um, expected, but are greatly appreciated, and they help us to uh, make more episodes for you. Um, Also, stick around because uh, uh, we're going to have another episode coming out on the last day of the year, New Year's Eve. We're going to be releasing our 2021 book stats, Um, and so you're going to get probably more information than you need about all the books. Um, but it's good and interesting. It is interesting. It's weird. <laughs> and maybe it'll inspire you to, to do your own book stats. Uh, so we're just looking at all the books we read this year and comparing, you know, author nationalities, author genders, um, nonfiction versus fiction, oldest how many newest
1: books, oldest
0: newest, how many we read in each month, stuff like, just in, just random stats that maybe you'll find interesting where we analyze our reading habits for the year. And we do this every year, just on our own. And so this will be our first year doing it on the podcast, because this is our first year of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and hopefully you enjoy it. So look forward to that coming out December 31st. And until then,
1: happy reading and bon appetit.